0: Talk about what it's like to stand in the face of adversity. So, as I begin, I'm just going to, you know, this morning as I'm praying this through, and it's been the the message God has birthed in my heart for just a few months ago. I was just, you know, somewhere between my bathroom and my bedroom, and I'm walking in there, and then I just hear um, in my spirit that before you pray, God can answer. And I thought, before I pray, God can answer. I was like, Lord, where is that in the Bible? And then the Lord reminded me of this precious soul that we're going to discuss this morning. So I want to start off by saying everything in our world right now is antagonistic to God. In fact, you know, God's ways is countercultural. What that means is that the world is going one way and God and his people are set to go in another way. You know, the fork in the road example. In the face of adversity, we tend to make choices that are either fear-based or based on our relationship with God. Life gives us all choices. And every second, you know, there are situations that are going to come up in our lives that's going to demand of us to make a choice. Um, it would seem that everything in the culture that we currently live in, uh, in our country, in the world, in our schools, in our churches, even in our homes with our family, they are demanding that choices are to be made. And um, so I'm going I'm to share something very personal that I've never shared in front of our entire church before. And it's going live on the internet, but I have shared in small groups, all right? I'm a fan of small groups because I know life healing takes place in small groups. And I won't give you the details, but I don't mind sharing things one-on-one, okay? But when you share, you gotta be careful how you share because it affects not only you, but everybody else involved. So March 3rd of this year, it will be 25 years that the Lord has completely just changed my whole life. 25 years ago, and you do the math, I'm 45. I'm not ashamed to say how old I am. You know, as I get to be a senior, I'm going to be a queenager. Like, you got teenagers? You're going to be a queenager. So I'm good with my age. I'm comfortable in my skin. There you go. Um, but 25 years ago, on March 3rd, at about 6.23 a.m., I was just at the wit's end of my life. My whole world snatched out under me the day before, where my, you know, Isaiah, my oldest, he is 25 years old now. Um, he, he's our lead guitarist um, on stage. He's not my boyfriend and he's not my husband. He's my oldest. I got to drop humor in there. That's just who I am. Um, so Isaiah was taken away from me. I was 20 years old the day before. This is March 2nd. So for three, the first three years of Isaiah's life, he was not with me. And it's all because of some choices that I made. Y'all, I wasn't on drugs. I wasn't on the streets. I wasn't doing anything like that. It was just life happened. My husband and I were very young when we got married. I said some things. He said some things. End result. You know, I made, and I'll just confess, there's my side, your side, and the truth. But who knows? God wants us to be people of truth. So the faster we face our situations and say, God, it's my responsibility. This is what I'm responsible for. Guess what? God can move in that. So I had made a threat to my husband at 20 years old that I'm going to take that baby and leave the country because I was a foreigner. I'm an American now, but I was a foreigner then. And he did, my beautiful, loving husband, did what he thought was right to protect our son. And he was right because I would have done the same thing had someone had threatened that. So that baby was snatched out of my arms at 20 years old. Sheriff's deputy was there. I was just, life happened. And I was not prepared for it. So the next morning, and I'm going to be mindful of my audience. I've got some young ones in here. The next morning, when you have no hope, what is the thought that comes to your mind? That was the thought. It was the thought. And at 6.20-something on March 3rd in the morning, here I am. I'm, I've raised in a Hindu family. My family are Hindus. Born Hindus, dying Hindus. Um, that was the story of our life. And 6.23, here is Benny Hinn, on that tv and he's like young lady and something was so commanding listen i don't know why we had a christian program on in the house but god knew i got down on my knees in front of that tv screen both hands on there never done that before and completely surrendered my life because someone said there is a man in heaven that he loves you and he wants to save you he's going to take this and he's going to turn it around you do have a hope and a reason to live So, Father God, as we go here this morning, God, I thank you that, Father, I am a willing vessel. I'll go whichever way you want me to go, God. But, Lord, without you and the anointing of God, this falls on deaf ears. So, Lord, I pray that you take my words and allow it to be your words this morning, God, and give us heart even as I minister, Father, minister life to me, God. And I just thank you for the awesome privilege of sharing your word this morning with your people. In Jesus' name. So, every second... The choices that life demands, it's going to say, Hey, Mira, are you going to make a negative, you know, decision or are you going to make a positive decision? And you know, every decision that we make, beloved, is going to affect someone else. Who did it affect? It affected my three month, he was less than three months. It took that baby, but guess what? God has a God of reconciliation. There is, Isaiah is one of my best friends. When you see us, you're like, that's why people think we're either brother or sister, a boyfriend or girlfriend. It's just, (laughs) we're good friends. And we have grown in God, and God has reconciled. He reconciled my marriage, y'all, after three years of separation, okay? So Shane and I are good. We're pressing in. You know, we got four beautiful children after the fact. But let me tell you a little bit about that. But it took me saying, I'm going to stand in the face of adversity and I'm going to do because just as quick as God saved me, within three months, I read through the the word of God. He filled me with the word of God and I started moving forward, never looking back. I have never looked back from the Lord. I've never backslidden and I pray that God keeps me because it is him who keeps us. Amen. But our hearts have to be turned. So pressure tends to show us what is truly in our hearts. Like my pressure was showing me what was truly in Mira's heart um, and the daily choices that we have to make, causing us to make good and bad choices. Every decision that we make, you and I make, have the ability to greatly affect someone positively and negatively. Um, But what we want to do is live a life that turns heaven's ears towards us. Amen? And it is possible. So today I'm going to talk about Daniel. I'm going to share a couple things from the book of Daniel. And there are so many lessons. I can probably get about 50 lessons from Daniel. But we're going to go here in the face of adversity. I believe that there are three necessary ingredients when faced with adversity. That we, one, must prepare for the unexpected in life. Two, that God demands that we do not conform, resist conforming to this world around you. And three is that we are called to be a light in a dark world. All right? Um, so preparing for the unexpected, Daniel was taken as a young youth into captivity, Babylonian captivity. Um, he was to be placed with the eunuchs. Those are men who have been castrated and, and just, you know, it is what it is. They served at the service of the king. Um, he was perhaps, Daniel was perhaps between the ages of 12 and 15 years of age. And the Bible says in Daniel 1 that he was from the tribe of Judah. Daniel was from royal descent. So his world was instantly turned upside down. And one moment in time, they captured Daniel. They took him about 800 miles away from his safety zone. 800 miles, here he goes. W.A. Criswell, he's um, a pastor, a Baptist teacher, was the president of the Baptist seminary or Baptist convention for two years. Um, Daniel, here's his words. He said, Daniel is a victim of this judgment of God. It was a judgment that was brought to them um, upon the sins of people. He was of princely extraction, the seed royal, born to rule. He was bred with the expectation of a scepter. And he never dreamed of slavery to a heathen king in a foreign land. And yet in the life of this youth, the prophecy of Isaiah and the judgment of God sadly and tragically came to pass. This is in Daniel's life. He was made a eunuch in the court of the king of Babylon. And he was a dry tree, a man who was emasculated with no hope of family issue or posterity. So I'm not going to argue the fine points in scripture. There are some prophecies in the Bible. And, you know, we don't argue over the small things. Okay. So there's nothing 100% that says that this he was a eunuch. But we're going to go here. So just just follow with me. Have you ever had your world just snatched up from under you? All right. So in Daniel's real time, all of this, everything that he knew, this boy knew. He was a boy. He was a boy. I was 20. He was like between 12 and 15. I cannot imagine. Um, so Daniel 1, one says, the story goes like this in Daniel one, 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He came to Jerusalem and he besieged it. He took control of it. This narrative that's in here, it's written from a historical point of view. It is what it is. It's a fact. You cannot change it. Let's go to verse 2. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand, along with a part of the vessels of the house of God. These are sacred things. And he took, Nebuchadnezzar took it and took it into the land of Babylon. Um, to the house of his God, he placed what was holy into the house of his pagan gods. This is our focus. It is that the fact may say that my Isaiah was taken from me. You've been diagnosed with cancer this is your life after divorce. This is your life with financial ruin. Daniel's fact was he was taken captive, but we see the God part of it was that God had his hand because the Bible says the Lord gave over Jehoiakim into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. You see, facts may say one thing, but what do we know that God has? God has a part to do with everything, right? And we've we got to focus on it. So you see the prophet, Sean, this is not in my notes, the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 25 of the book of Jeremiah, he gives us the prophecy that went forth right before this happened. You know, Daniel's in his house. And if you go to Jeremiah 25, you'll see that in real time, right? Jeremiah was alive during the exact same time. And he's saying this. So when this happens, I can't help but to believe that Daniel had his mind that, you know what? I heard Mama Nan talking about that prophet Jeremiah saying that something like this was going to happen. That we were going to be taken into captivity. You see, it's important what we talk about, even around our young ones. Because they're always listening. In chapter 39 of the book Isaiah... This is what the prophet Isaiah says to Hezekiah. He said, hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord, and they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. That prophecy went forth before Daniel was. It was. So Daniel knew something about the word because we'll see from his life where he stood stood in the face of adversity. So when the unexpected things in life happen and our world is turned inside out, upside down, preparing for the unexpected means that we can trust that our God is working behind the scenes. Daniel knew from his history and from the stories and the prophecy that he perhaps heard as a child. I'm sure he heard it in his household. Daniel 1, verses 3 through 4, shows us that Daniel was numbered among the exceptional children. He was skilled in all wisdom and understanding and in discernment. So somewhere along the way, you know, in his travel 800 miles from home to Babylon, somebody noticed something about young Daniel. So in the face of adversity, not only... Must we trust that God is at work behind the scenes, but we must also refuse to conform to our cultural trends. Daniel 1, 4 through 5 tells the story of Nebuchadnezzar, that he wanted Daniel and his friends um, to be schooled in the way of the Chaldeans. He wanted them to learn about their ways, their language. For three years, they had to be educated into the customs of that world system. So let me back up. When I talk about the world when I'm teaching, it's talking about everything that's anti-God, okay, when I talk about the world. And when we are talking about Daniel, he's making decisions for the kingdom of God. So the road to conformity, every, everything that they wanted Daniel to do was to conform. And the road to conformity looks, you know, includes, it means going with the flow, I'm going to go with what status quo. You know, today, everything in our culture is screaming out and demanding that we conform to the way of this world. We are meant to just go along with the with the ride. Don't make waves. You know, just ride on. Keep things status quo. Um, we are expected to be silent in the face of things that we know are morally wrong. How many of you in your workplaces, in your schools, are being asked to stay silent about things that you're you're afraid to speak out? You're afraid to speak out. Why? Because your jobs may be in jeopardy or people may isolate you or call you a judgmental Bible thumper. You see, everything in our world says let's go with the flow because we don't want to be like pinpoint and say, Okay, that mirror she's holier than thou or she's judgmental. Who says? what does God want for us? We are not people meant to fit and we were born to stand out. You know, nothing was different for Daniel. He too was asked to go with the flow. The first thing that the king wanted to change in Daniel was Daniel's name. In the Hebrew, Daniel's name, it means that God is my judge. But Nebuchadnezzar came in there and he wanted to say, you know what, I'm going to call you Belteshazzar. Kid probably couldn't even spell it yet. Well, maybe he could, he was real wise. Belgeshazzar means God is my protector. But which God is his protector? So he is wanting to change Daniel's identity and identify it with something that he's comfortable with. All right? Um, Christian theologian, Walfrid, or yeah, if I say that right, significantly, all of Hebrew names indicate relationship to God of Israel and the customs of that time. It indicates that the parents who have named these children you know, don't just come up, let me stick my, let me put my two cents in there, don't just come up with a name that you just spit out. names have a purpose and they have value. All right. They have purpose and they have value. Um, this perhaps explains why these, in contrast to the other young men um, of Daniel's time, are found true to God. They had names or they had godly homes in their earlier years that gave praise to God, even by the naming of their children. So couldn't you imagine how these young captives taken away from their home and they're walking into Babylon? Listen, Babylon was beautiful. They had the Euphrates River flowing right through the city. Its walls were 85, Feet, and I've left in my notes. If you go online, you'll have my notes, and I put in some historical facts in there for you. 85 feet thick walls, walls that are 350 feet high. How did those people build those walls in that time? Their irrigation system, so what is known for Babylon during the time of Nebuchadnezzar, it was known for its hanging garden, Seven Wonder of the World. Right? So the irrigation system in there was, I mean, unheard of. It took it took the rest of the world centuries to develop irrigation. And yet this king had it in there. So they're walking in there. They're seeing everything. And they're like, oh, my gosh, where did all this come from? Can you imagine what these kids are thinking? You know, they're kids. They're teenagers. Um, yet we see in Scripture that uh, with Daniel's name, they change his name. They're giving him this new culture. Daniel is used like 83 times in the Bible, Belteshazzar 10. Ten times. We see that even God himself is referring and the angels of heaven is referring to Daniel by his true identity. God is his judge by Daniel. Daniel's parents were alive during the reign of one of the most um, precious kings in the Bible, King Josiah. The Bible says that there was no other king like Josiah. Josiah, there, there wasn't anyone before him and there wasn't anyone like him, you know, took after God, He sustained judgment on the land because of this one king, and I submit to you this morning that Daniel's parents were alive during the the reign of King Josiah, so they were alive during um, revival. Josiah tore down the high places, the holy places. He completely destroyed everything. He turned the hearts of the people to national repentance by going back to serve His God. And our young friend Daniel was brought up watching this and seeing this. So never underestimate the impact of a life lived out loud for Christ um, for the Lord before anybody if your parents before your children if you're a young person the people that you're leading there's always someone that's going to be following you and looking for your example so don't underestimate walking with God and living those things out and remind your children remind each other you know I I do this all the time even with kids coming in here and they tell me their name and if it's a biblical name guess what I ask them do you know what your name means and then I say, okay, the next time I see, I want you to tell me what your name means. Because I realize that there's power in a name. God has a lot to say about our name. So remember who you are, remember your identity, and keep pressing through to that. The second thing that, that we must guard against to keep ourselves from compromise, or to from conformity, is to keep ourselves from compromise. As a Christian, our belief system is constantly being challenged. It's vilified. It's looked as, um, as evil, you know, I've been called a Bible thumper. My kids have been called judgmental Bible thumpers by cousins because they refuse to go this way. And see, you know, it's not, it's not refusing to see something from someone else's point of view. We can reason all day long. But what does the word have to say? At the end of the day, my opinion holds no weight. But if I can point you to what God's word says, there's no argument against that. There is not. It's he is final. He is judge, um, like Daniel's name would indicate. So many young believers today are bullied into compromising. They're pushed and pulled to the point of submitting themselves to things that they have once broken free from. You know, have, have, that haven't happened to you. You know, I've got to think back. You know, did I allow myself to go backwards after I got saved? And listen, I, I stood. I tried to. God enabled me. Not perfectly. Not perfectly because I'm human. Um, we're constantly being pushed and pulled only to be laughed at and, and make Jesus a mockery you know and we don't want to do that. We are bullied into silence only for our silence to be consensual. When you're faced with opposition and you know something is wrong and you are silent, you are giving consent to that when you don't speak up. Silence means consent. all right so sometimes we're going to be called to speak up when we're asked to compromise. Don't just sit there like a bump on a log. Say why you're not doing what you're saying. Say, because, you know, God sees me. God sees me. Romans 12, 2 in the Passion Translation. I love this. It says, Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in God's eyes. It is possible that we could live a life where God looks at us and say, You are beloved, greatly loved by me. You know, and the other scriptures you can read um, for yourself for the sake of time. So in a new world, Daniel would face many temptations. He was taken to live in the ruling kingdom of the world in that day. There was there, Babylon was the kingdom. His king was king of the world. Uh, but Jesus is king of our world. Babylon was, you know, it had food and wine that Daniel was perhaps um, didn't have access to. It's glamour. It was beautiful. You know, we talked about the beauty of the city. But here in verse 1 through 8 in Daniel, chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But Daniel determined in his heart that he would not defile himself. He wasn't going to make himself stinky by eating his portion of the king's rich and dainty foods or by drinking the wine which the king drank. Um, therefore he requested from the chief of the, of the chief of the eunuchs that he might be allowed not to make himself stinky like the rest of them, not to defile himself. Notice the word but in that verse. But But Daniel, Daniel had purpose in his heart not to defile himself with what the king was doing. You know, Daniel would have been brought up in a home um, where they ate nothing that was offered up. It's not that beef is bad. Listen, I love beef and I love that little bit of burnt fat right there on the grill. That's just so good and seasoned to perfection. Um, But it's not that he he wasn't allowed to eat beef. It wasn't that. Or chicken. Fried chicken is good. You know, I'm sure his stomach was just like grumbling a little bit. That wasn't the point. The point was that for the Jewish culture, they lived according to the Levitical diet. So anything that the way that these people killed, and even King Nebuchadnezzar, go in history and you'll look it up and see if it's true or not. They ate things that were offered to idols. So Daniel made a choice that, hey, I'm not going to eat anything that was offered to an idol. So let me just eat the veggies and let me just drink my water. Give me 10 days. He was quick with his, wise with his appeal. He made his appeal to the chief of the eunuchs. And the guy, you know, with fright in him, he's like, well, what if you look like you're going to die in 10 days? He said, just give me a chance. Just give me a chance so he comes before this guy and he looks at him and you know what his countenance was better he looked better than the rest of them him Hananiah Mishael and um, Azariah those were the Hebrew names of what we know Shadrach Meshach and Abednego all right we're just gonna stick with God's name on them because it means something um, Daniel refused to compromise he did not forget who he was he didn't leave home and you know mom and dad says you know what no drinking he didn't leave home and said, You know, mom and dad's not here. Well, let me have a little sippy sippy. He didn't do that. It wasn't a choice for him because he determined from the on start that I will serve my God and another I will not listen to. Right? Um, so he didn't take the bait. He didn't fold under pressure. Um, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 25 in the Passion Translation, it says, It's obvious that all runners on the racetrack keep on running to win, but only one receives the victor's prize. Yet each one must run the race to be victorious. A true athlete, and this is a point I want to make with this, a true athlete will be disciplined in every respect, Practicing constant self-control in order to win that wreath that withers. This isn't the natural. But we run this race to win a victor's crown that will last forever. You see, in this kingdom, not everybody gets a, a participation trophy. We're not about that. We're raising our culture to believe that everyone gets something for participating. That's not how it works in kingdom. You get the trophy when you endure the race at the end of it. No compromise, no participation trophies in heaven. Daniel had God's gaze on him. God was looking at him. Throughout the centuries, God has drawn people to be a part of his kingdom who have faced severe adversity. Daniel was one of these people who was counted as righteous. Ezekiel fourteen fourteen Ezekiel was there during Daniel's time as well. He was counted as righteous. He was to be removed from his homeland and taken to a foreign country, probably in his teens. That had to have been traumatic. Wouldn't you be traumatized? you'd be devastated. Daniel's life, however, was to become an example for all of us. You see in Hebrews 11 verses 33 through 34, it mentions that some of the faithful who await the resurrection, who through faith, they subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises. They stopped the mounts of lions. They quenched the violence of fire and escaped the edge of the sword. The tests that we have will always come with the small things in life. It's not the big things that comes to test us first. It's a small thing. Was it way easier not to eat foods offered to idols, or would it have been way easier um, to bow down to an idol? Which one? It started with the easy thing first for for this young guy. It was easy for him to say, I'm not going to eat that because I wasn't brought up eating that, and I don't know what's going to happen to me. See, because God is my judge, meaning God has his eyes on me. He didn't have to ask his friends, hey, what do you think if I eat that food? Daniel didn't do that. He knew inside of him that it was a conviction that he wasn't going to do that. God, you see me. I don't have, you know, when we have something going on inside of us and we have to ask somebody, should I do that or shouldn't I do that? Counsel is different. But when you know something is against your grain and you start questioning that, know that that's a nudge from the Holy Spirit. Don't do it. Don't do it. Your friends don't, they don't have more authority than what God has in your life. Right? Right? So our tests in life will come to show us what we're made of. You know, if we cheat the IRS who we can't see, let's just be real. If you start cheating on your taxes to an IRS government and claiming stuff that you shouldn't be claiming, you're, you can't see them. They can't see you. They're not there. You're going to start cheating people who you see every day. Right? You will. Um, an affair in a marriage begins with one look. What you looking at, women, men, how are you presenting yourselves? It starts with one look. And to be an alcoholic, Bo and I had this discussion, it starts with one drink. One drink. Where are we compromising at? All right? Where are we compromising at? Um, Standing in the face of adversity means that we must be internally prepared for the unexpected by trusting God and refusing to conform. So point three, be a light in darkness. People who live without God, without Jesus, are living in darkness. All right? That's what I mean. It's not... Without Jesus we're lost. I was lost without him. That's why I couldn't make a good decision that costed me three years of my baby's life. See? That's that's what it was. I could lie all day long and say it was somebody else's fault. But it wasn't, it was my fault. Because I didn't have the inward compass of the Holy Spirit to teach me right from wrong. There wasn't anyone guarding my lips. So we don't have answers. People who are lost, they don't have answers. I didn't have answers that God longs to provide for our lives. You know, we're hopeless. Without God, we're hopeless. We are without peace when conflict and tragedy arrives. We don't know what to do with that. So Jesus says this, that we are to be the light of the world in Matthew 5 verses 14 through 16. You are the light of, you are the world's light. It is impossible to hide a town built on top of a hill. Men do not light a lamp and put it under a bucket. They put it on a lampstand and it gives light for everybody to see. Our lives, everybody gets to see it. You know, so let your light shine like this in the sight of men. Let them see the good works that you do. And when they see the good works that you do and the example that you are, they will turn around and praise God in the right season. It draws them. Um, so Daniel did not allow the circumstances to break him. He served. Those kings for 70 years of his life. 70 years. You know, he did not conform to the culture that had a hold of him. Uh, He knew without a doubt that God's eyes was on him, as we see with his name. Daniel was used by God to help these. Listen, two rulers, world rulers, that hated God's people, captured God's people, turned their hearts over, and said there is only one God. That's Daniel's God. He was used to influence two of the most ungodly leaders that was probably in those times. God used Daniel, okay? And he faced yet the unexpected. Um, a decree went out from the king to kill all the wise men because the king couldn't understand a dream, or he couldn't even remember his dream. If you go back to, to um, the book of Daniel and Daniel 2, it tells the story. Nebuchadnezzar had this dream, can't even remember what he dreams, and he wants someone to tell him. And when they couldn't tell him, he said, "Yeah, I'm going to kill all of you all. You're just dead, 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 dead. So Daniel's faced with another, here it is, another adversity. I'm going to be dead for something that the king don't even know. How am I supposed to tell him what he don't even know? Here's what we do with that. All right? We seek God. Okay, when we're being a light, we see God. Daniel, when faced with the unexpected in Daniel 2, verses 1 through 18, you can read the story, bowed his knees, in pr- his knees in prayer to receive God's mercy. He was looking for an escape plan from Babylon. He wanted the secret thing revealed. And after he prayed, guess what he did? He slept and he trusted because the thing was revealed to Daniel in his sleep. Don't you know that when you're going through adversity, when you have Jesus, you can go to sleep and know that He, you are in the palm of his hands. You know, he he measures the universe by the span of his hands. It would take us hundreds of thousands of years to reach all over and at light speed. But yet the God who created everything like that, that we can't even reach in our lifetime in light speed, he holds us here. Give him a chance. If you don't know Jesus today, give him a chance. I promise you, he did that for me. I didn't even know how to trust him. But he grabbed a hold of me and I learned how to seek him when things were hard. Yep, those in darkness, like Nebuchadnezzar, he was asking for an answer because this thing distressed him. He's like, I need somebody to give me an answer because I know there's meaning in it for me. Those who are lost, they need us as believers to give him an answer. To give him hope. We are the hope. We are the hope. All right. Being a light not only means that we have to seek God. It also means that we must be ready to give God the glory. We get At the end of this day, I get no glory for nothing. Joshua gets no glory for nothing. Isaiah, Trevor, Cameron, Bo, Nothing. Because if we get glory for it, where's God in that? All right. But God gave or Daniel gave honor to God. So we give honor to our God as Daniel received the revelation of the dream. He gives praise to God and you can see it in, in Daniel chapter two. Um, King Nebuchadnezzar promised gifts and rewards to the one who was able to show him that gift meaning and rewards making him head of the land. There is no one more powerful than the king besides Daniel, and we'll see that to come. But when Daniel was taken to the king to reveal this mystery of his dream that Nebuchadnezzar could not remember, and he was asked if he could reveal it, his answer to the king is written there in Daniel 2. He needed some time to go seek God. And when he came before, you know, the mysterious secret which the king had demanded, neither the wise men, the scripture says, enchanters, magicians, astrologers could have shown him that. But Daniel said, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secret. But there is another but for Daniel. But there is a God in heaven who reveals the secret things, the hidden things. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar the visions that's in his head while he was upon his bed. And here it is. And Daniel gave it to him. So when the thing was revealed, Nebuchadnezzar turned around and he honored God through Daniel. He did. So when somebody honored, you know, the Bible says if we honor God, he'll honor us. You'll get honor. You will. Just by default. That's just, a, the blessings are just a default of just walking with Jesus. All right? But we got to turn it around and say, you know, but it is God. I didn't reveal it. God did. And as we seek God, as we give him honor, we must boldly and respectfully speak truth. We find in the fourth chapter, King Nebuchadnezzar writing this passage of scripture that Daniel puts in there in the book. He begins by giving praise to God. Remember I said a pagan king giving praise to this God. He goes on to tell about another dream that Daniel will later interpret for him. Um, can you imagine your, your leaders? You know, if you're working in a place and you're working in the mail room and the CEO of the company just passes by and all of a sudden God puts you on his radar. And he says, you know, and just starts talking and wisdom comes forth from your mouth. You see, a life looking, af- looking and seeking after God, he's going to take your gifts and puts. that's what the proverb says. Your gifts will make room before you. You will come before kings when you didn't even expect it, but you got to seek God and give him honor. Amen? So the account of the dream was told, and then when Daniel came, I love his heart. I love his heart. The, gr- the dream disturbed Daniel for his king. So he knows he's in captivity. He's a slave to someone who doesn't see things the way that he sees things. Yet there's so much honor in him that he is moved with love and compassion for this king because it disturbed, and the Bible says it disturbed his heart that this thing would come to the king. And Daniel, when he comes, be, comes before him, I, I've, so I have got to read this to you. Daniel four twenty seven in the Amplified. Therefore, o king, let my counsel be acceptable for you. Break off your sins and show the reality of your repentance by righteousness, right? Standing with God and moral and spiritual rectitude and rightness in every area and relation. And liberate yourself from the iniquities by showing mercy, showing loving kindness to the poor and the oppressed. And if the king will repent, Daniel, world leader, If you, O king, will repent, there may possibly be a continuance and lengthening of your peace and tranquility and a healing of your error. Daniel called the king to repentance, church. He called the king to repentance. He was not afraid. He took this opportunity to speak out without losing his cool and without losing respect. We can be respectful to those who are in an opposition to us, opposing viewpoints, By speaking truth in love, but love must be the motivator. His concern was for the king. All right. Those in darkness desperately needs those without Jesus desperately needs those who walking in light to stand strong. Edmund Burke said the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. We've got to speak out. So as we wrap up today, some action points for from, you know, for us all to consider. How do you handle pressure? How do you handle pressure? James 1, 3 through 6 in the message paraphrase teaches us that you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced out to the open. It shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Daniel wasn't trying to escape Babylon, beloved. He stayed there for 70 plus years. He was between 80 and 90 years old, 12 to 15, do the math when he got in there. 80 or 90, scripture doesn't give you the exact, um, play, or, you know, years that he has lived. He wasn't trying to escape Babylon. He said, this is my lot, God, and in it, you know what? I'm gonna turn this world upside down for you. He wasn't trying to take this man's furniture and rearrange it in his house. He wasn't trying to do that. He wasn't trying to go against the green. You know, he was there, but without, you know, maintaining the status quo of Babylonian people, the Chaldeans. He was there without compromising. Right? He was there. And he was there seeking God and looking for the truth. So we are not to go with the flow. And point two, what are areas of compromise? Are there areas of compromise in our lives? And, you know, that verse in Romans, again, you can read that. And point three, so we do not compromise. We are not to go with the flow, go with status quo, no compromising allowed. And how are we being an example? How are you being an example to those who do not walk with God, to those who do not walk with Jesus? Our young ones that are in school and workplaces, can you be set apart? You know, can they look at you and know that you're walking with God by your good works? It's not anything that you have to preach to them. How are we being set apart for God? Daniel twelve three. I love this. And the teachers and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. That's like above, above us, the skies at night. And those who turn many to righteousness, like our young Matthew and Zach over there, those who turn many to righteousness and uprightness with God, um, they will be like the stars in the heavens. Don't you want to be a shining star for God? I do we do but let's point people in the right direction by the way that we choose to live all right let every word that we speak be drenched with grace remember what i said we can say things it's how we say it drenched with grace you know the hem of the garment where that woman was reaching for the hem of the garment the the most saturated point of anything it's like the anointing oil from Aaron's beard it's when it got down to the hem of the garment it's a point of saturation are we walking like when we walk that that it's drenched from the from the head to our feet are we drenched with what God has placed inside of us. That's the grace of the word of God. You know, I'm tempered with truth and clarity what we speak. For then you will be prepared to give a respectful answer to anyone who asks you about your faith. All right, so let's be prepared. We are called to be influences of righteousness. And in the days ahead, so if there's anything that I leave you here with today, in the days of head, the days ahead, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trials but be of good cheer, for I've overcome. So he's given us, big brother's given us permission to do the greater works. Those who are strong in God, that comes from Daniel. You hear it used a lot. Those who are strong in God will do exploits. Where is the exploits, church? Where's the exploits? Could it be that there's some area in our lives that we have chosen to go with the flow? Could it be that we have chosen to compromise? Could it be? All right, so um, if... No one, no one church is going to get a participation trophy sitting in this room. It just doesn't happen. We don't get a trophy for just chipping in. We get a trophy for the endurance and the race that we run. All right? The prize is one for enduring. So stand strong, my friends. And um, let's do this thing for God. Amen?